Okay, everyone, welcome to the Edward Hutchinson podcast. We are honoured today to be joined by Caesar, who actually we connected on Instagram, Caesar. Yes. Which is now the way that I'm meeting like the best people in my life is now through Instagram, which I'm really, really happy about. But anyway, guys, welcome to the Edward Hutchinson podcast. We are joined this Monday morning by Caesar, who is the principal of CAD Stoneworks, which I didn't really know that much about until I realised that literally so many of the properties on LA Mansion Tours that we visit you have done work on yes which is kind of crazy yes because the amount of like our listeners out there who have probably watched some of these episodes and been like oh my god what is that marble floor what is this like fireplace and i feel like you're that like unsung hero who actually creates all this stuff <laughs> Thank but you. doesn't get the big developer like this is me doing the work kind right. of name attached to it Correct. so caesar um I've obviously given you a little bit of an intro, but maybe just give our listeners a background about who you are, um, how you got into where your company is now, and then we can kind of go from there. Sure. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for calling me hero. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I've remember... a book as well, so I have to... Actually, <laughs> I remember that I came across uh, LA Mansion Tours. Really? I was, I, was, uh, I was following you, with the, you know that I was following you, yeah. and one time I told my wife, look, you got to watch and see this. These guys yeah, are promoting yeah. our, the project that we work. So and great. you were saying, like, oh, you know, look at all these... Somebody who knows about art had to be doing this marble because the old, you know, book match, stone, the veins were like following each other. So you're actually giving a big shout out for, for oh, us without yeah. knowing. I think we need and to do more of that. Let's just let's just post CAD stone work, work <laughs> like constantly. And I was just like uh, mesmerized that you were doing that without even knowing who was doing the work. And yeah. then you connected with me, told me, you know, you like to have a a coffee and talk about well, it. I think it was hilarious because I remember seeing like maybe one or two comments on one of the posts and I was like oh CAD Stoneworks this looks awesome and then clicked onto your account and then like every post that you're going through I'm like I've seen that house I've seen this work I've seen that I was like oh my god this yes. guy does it all so right. yeah so right. how, how is the company how did you end up where you are right now as the principal of this company well basically I used to be in the construction industries before the uh, the meltdown okay in 2008 more general contractor construction more general uh, yeah more general contractor and I was involved on more um, trades as well okay uh, but I wasn't working in the um, areas of Beverly Hills Bel Air West Hollywood it was just like more normal homes still in LA though it's still in LA okay right and then eventually I moved into commercial, into a uh, plumbing company that I start have some interest, but you know, we don't, I don't, I'm not like actively okay. as I used to do before. We used to do a lot of work for um, commercial side, like yeah. Fresh and Easy, Panera Bread, Enterprise Rent a Car. And, and I presume all of the plumbing for that is almost a different level than your residential. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. It was more like on the commercial side. Yeah. Because you have a blockage in the plumbing there and then it shuts the business down. The whole thing. So it you have to be a More like an emergency, emergency 24-7. <laughs> okay, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Shall you like that much? Either. Fix the problem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't go to go, go get the problem fixed, yeah. but I get the phone call. Okay. Two o'clock in the morning. And then you have to make five other phone calls. Yes. yes. Okay, yeah. By that time, it was like three o'clock in the morning. Oh, you might as well yeah. just... Stay away, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've been here for like 20 minutes. He's already, I think, had four phone calls that he's had to take so far. So I'm like, okay, yes. I understand that you must get a lot of those. Yes, a lot. Yeah. I actually had just like um, um, an architect, Paul from Stainer Architects. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just called me. He's like, oh, you know what? Can you move with the, the appointment that we have today at noon to for tomorrow? I said like, yeah, okay. Yeah, gives yeah. us two more hours of podcasting, guys. Yes, <laughs> yes. So going back to how I started, then I had a colleague of mine that... Um, he was going to start working on a uh, on a project in Beverly Hills, okay. and he said, "You know, about that you come over. You know, I need somebody to help me out with like sales and to develop the business, which yeah. I'm really good at it." And I we worked together for a couple of years, but then we had like differences in management. You know, I was yeah. looking more for um, bringing value to the customer. Mm -hmm. And you know, expanding the portfolio rather than keep it like a boutique uh, yeah, company. Kind of correct. I said, if we can create a product and and you know workmanship that we can give to the customer, mm -hmm. then everybody must know about it. Yeah. So we we parted ways. We still be good friends and call each other and do collaborations sometimes. And I started cut Stoneworks at that point about five years ago. So it's only been going for five years yes. total. Yes. So all of you guys out there, it's crazy. Like I think you're actually like people should look at you as an entrepreneur more right. than like a, the stone guy kind of. Right. Because uh, actually starting a company that five years in has got the like list of clientele that you have and the projects that you're doing like you can't do better really in LA you, do you know what I mean like there, there's not like a 
I don't know, actually, maybe there is. Is there any company that you look at and you're like, oh, one day I'm going to be at that level? Because I can't imagine, like... Maybe on the selling on the selling part, okay. there are a lot of companies that are selling. You know, they're ex importing you know materials like you know granite, marble, and all that of. stuff. Maybe that's the only area that I need to add to the company. Yeah, to be at, at, at that level. But no one's doing like. But as far as service is concerned, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I feel great. I think that we're one of the biggest ones in in the area. Yeah, you know, yeah, West Because literally, like, out of the ones that we've seen, if you're listening right now, like London Dairy, you did work on. Yes. Um, you're doing work on the 500 million right now that's going up. Right. <laughs> You've done work on uh, Hillcrest. Correct. Which is currently 68 Eight, million. 68. It was originally a bit more. Yeah, it was a, a 100 million. 100 million. Yes. I mean, like, it's kind of crazy. And this one, Bentley Circle. Oh, that's getting so much attention. We... I mean, like, because that sold almost really fast. In, yes. Because that was 48 million, I think, 40 listed. Million. Yes. But like, uh, you can't read looking around at other stone companies thinking, oh, you know, one day I'm going to work on projects of that scale because everyone else in the world isn't building 48 million. It's right. Not, I mean, LA's got expensive properties, mm. but that's kind of crazy. That's like the highest end. Yeah. And I yeah. think one of the things that got us there was that even though I started five years ago, yeah. Um, you're right what you're saying. I feel myself, uh, I'm an entrepreneur that happens to own a stone company. You know, and hopefully I can add more to my portfolio. So when you're like doing your day-to-day -day work, sorry, I know I've actually got a load of questions here, guys. So like, I need to try and remind myself to get to the <laughs> questions because we're actually going to go off on so many tangents, which I think is awesome. But when you're doing the stone work in your business, is what element of the business are you enjoying the most? Is it actually like dealing with the customer, getting their kind of reactions, being really pleased with the entire thing and managing all of that? Yes. Or is it like the creative side of the stone? Or I suppose it's a mix. It's a mix, but it's more like with the customer. Yeah. Because I can translate their ideas to the artisans that are working with the stone, which are, happen to be my guys. Yeah. So I'm the liaison between you know the designers, the customers, the homeowner, the ones you know there's a specific uh, material for their house, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, kitchen, yeah. and I believe I can connect what they're asking to, that they want for the project, to my team. And actually, kind and of actually make it you know tangible. Because I think that is what I always think is probably my and from some of our discussions on the podcast actually, people that work with some of these not just developers but end consumer who mm. is building the house for themselves. Because they're thinking like, oh well, I've got this in my head and this is what I think is possible. However, them relaying that to actually getting it done and creating it's like the artist. Right. You know, everyone says like, oh, you know, you talk to the artist about their artwork or whatever it is. They're not necessarily in like the practical this is what it takes to get it done. So you're basically that middleman who's like taking the artist's vision and then allowing it to be created by actually putting in the, the steps that allow that to happen. Correct, okay. correct. And then moving to another point, you know, we work with developers yeah. for these you know, high-end projects. And we also work with the end consumer, which is the homeowner. Yeah. You know, and the differences that you have is that when you work with the developer, you know, you're actually, the developer has already a vision of their project. And they don't deviate as much as what they want. Yeah. Unless architecturally or structurally it's not possibly done. That would be like one of the reasons they will deviate. But most of the times they already worked out. Because I the, presume they probably just, hired an architect that they're paying significant money to. They've got renderings. They've kind of got that right. vision built out. Correct. But similarly, I suppose they probably are of the mindset where they want something and they want to pay as little as they can so they can make the most amount of money when they resell the property. Correct. So Correct. that's like, you've got one side of it, which is dealing with the developer, which yes. is fighting the like spreadsheets and costs. Correct. And they've already decided what they want. But then I suppose on the end consumer, is that more like therapy? Yes. It is more like therapy. <laughs> you can be a professional yes. therapist. Yes, we have, right? yes, we have, uh, we have, um, when, I, when I'm work, working with a homeowner, yeah. we have that in mind. You know, they start with one material and we have, we have gone to a point where like we install a kitchen yeah. and once yeah. it's installed, he, the homeowner doesn't doesn't want it because he didn't have a vision of what he wanted at the beginning. And at the price point and kind of what their the wealth level at that point. Correct. It's not like oh I've just wasted a ton of money because you're gonna rip it out and put a load yeah. of stuff in. It's I want to do it right. Yes. They're like oh you know what I'm not I'm not feeling happy about it. I don't think that I can live here for the next five years uh, looking at that slab yeah. even though we picked it up. And I said, so what would you suggest? How like, do you deal with relaying that to your guys who've just put a huge amount of time, <laughs> effort, work into creating something? And then it's like, we're going to rip that out tomorrow. It's really unfortunate. Yeah. And I can see their expressions, like their facial expressions when I tell them that. 
because you know they're really proud that they finished a project yeah. and they were gonna move on to the next project. Especially when it's in a house of that scale and they've <laughs> yes. done like, oh my god, this incredible stone. Well, and, sometimes you got a two hundred thousand dollar kitchen, incomplete, not not just the stone, but the the full kitchen. Sometimes yeah. five hundred thousand. Uh, there were uh, there was a time when we did like a Fendi kitchen and it was oh, really? uh, in Homely Hills and it was uh, five hundred thousand dollars. You know, wow. had alligator uh, leather covering the drawers and everything. Obviously, that one we didn't demo. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. But we go... You have a to animal side. Yes. Well. People are like, oh my God, you just destroyed this yes. alligator skin. Right. Yeah. And But we had cases where, like, you know, the kitchen is $250,000. Our work is fifty grand or sixty grand, yeah. And the owner comes and says, like, we're not satisfied. You need to, you know, you can help us demo it. And we picked up all their slap, and it's already at one of your suppliers' house. If you can just pick it up and add it to the cost, we don't have a problem with the money. Do you know what I think is also massive about that is the way you're putting it across? Because I think a huge amount of contractors and people that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, as soon as the owner said that, they would take it as like personal offense. They'd right. be like, oh, what are you saying? My work's not good enough or something. Right. Which I think is incredible that you just turn around and you're like... What well, you say matters, therefore, <laughs> like, I'm not going to have an issue with it. We'll just demo it and redo it because, right. I mean, there's a huge amount of contracts I think you would turn around and be like, no, I'm not doing the work. You can just pay my bill. And I'm we, we have found cases like that where, like, uh, the homeowner will call us yeah. and then we'll go and demo some, some other work, somebody else's work. But not on the basis that it's a faulty work. It's just, just on the basis that the contractor didn't want to do it again because the thing that came across about... Yeah. And therapy like, oh, yeah. and then oh what if this happens again I suppose that Correct. Like, this could be non-stop they just don't want to take the risk yeah. that okay. the next time they might get you know into a situation where like they're being blamed they didn't, they wasn't right yeah 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 and we usually get there and I think that that's like what differentiates the company Catstone from other uh, competitors or other companies out there I don't pay much attention you know who's my competitor or who's not yeah we strive to do the best and get better as Comes, you know, as the day goes by, as the yeah. time goes by, we just better ourselves. If we can better ourselves, you know, with time and be the best we can the top, be, top, top, yeah. then you know we are our own competitors. Yeah, you know, well, then that's such like the long-term successful person vision. So there's so many people who have that like short-term, like, oh, that guy's doing more business than me. What can I do to like screw that guy over because right. I want his business? Yes. As opposed to. I'm just going to show everyone I'm the best in 20 years it's going to play out. Right. And you know what? Um, contrary to that belief that a lot of people have, like, yeah. oh, you know, I want to screw this company or I want to yeah. do better than them. I look at the other side. I look at collaborations. So there have been times when I call a competitor really? and tell them, you know what? I have this job. Um, I know that you're the perfect fit. Yeah. Um, I'm holding the contract. But I have a couple of things that, you know, I would like to, to give it to you. I already talked to the owners. I already talked to the developer. And I like to do I like to do some collaboration with you, and they're so happy because they're thinking like, yeah. can't believe this guy's calling me to give me work, yeah. or to provide you know for my guys to work, yeah. and then that turns out to to be like um, a good relationship. Yeah. Sometimes it has happened a couple times. It has happened where like it has turned to be like a friendship. Really. And nowadays, you know, if if I you know there are a lot of people that have been in the industry for twenty years, thirty years, and they have uh, gotten to the point where I am in five years. Yeah. And sometimes I call them because they do have um, a little bit more um, technicalities yeah. sometimes. And I, I call them and I ask them and they, they, they like me because I have brought value to their companies yeah. as well. And, and if they need help with the projects in the future, who are they going to call? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, such a big, true thing because I think there are so many people who are worried about like they're, they're on the defense right? as opposed to just being like, like this is a huge amount of opportunity yes. here. Let's all be nice to each other. Let's just like put goodwill out there. It's yes. like karma. It's karma. You know the karma. pie. The pie is so big out there that everybody can have a piece of the pie. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And and I had done that uh, last project. That, uh, we have it on one of the projects that we have on Canon. Yeah. Had three projects on that street. So you have got three projects on the street. How do you manage that? Because presumably you've got. The same guys doing work on each project, but at different stages, different times. Yes, but I put a crew actually on this. In this case, I put a, a crew on each, each one. on each one. Is that a better way to do it? Yes. Because yes. I suppose otherwise people are getting confused about yes. which project you're talking about. Have you done that on this? And they're like... Right. And, uh, and then yeah. the customers get a little confused. You know, oh, I see yeah. guys walking in, walking out. So I have a dedicated staff Definitely. Okay. Uh, crew for each of the projects. Uh, and one supervisor for both of them because, you know, he has a... It's literally like... Walking distance from one project to the other one. 
How, how are you ever in the position where you've just got too much work? You know what I mean? If you've got three projects on Canon, I suppose that's amazing, but three different groups and teams. Right. And then what happens if you've got two more people on Canon who are like, oh, that guy's doing amazing work. Like, how can you scale like that? Because you need guys on the ground. Yes. You know, and, and you're hitting a really good point because right now there's a lot of demand. Yeah. And there is um, the kind of workmanship that I'm looking for, you know, like good, um, excellent, I would say craftsmanship. Yeah. It's not out there, and the one that is already there is already been taken. Been taken, and then the huge demand. Correct. So usually, what I do is that I try to um, do collaborations yep. to finish my project faster. Okay. And sometimes I do talk to the customer, to the developer. Listen, I'm going to be out of this project in three months, in two months. Yeah. Can you we look at some term where we can, you know, meet your demands or your deadline? Yeah. Or you know what? I can bring four guys. What you want is just gonna actually take one month, and I can put four guys, and we can knock it down by that time. I'm gonna get my crew, yeah. and bring the whole crew from the other project. And usually we meet, you know, we meet in the middle ground. How do you stay on top of this? So like, you wake up on a Monday morning. You walked into your office, not into the podcast area right now, but. How do you track all this? Do you have an Excel spreadsheet? Do you have, like, because I'm fairly organized, but I can just already see that I would absolutely, like, I'd jump off the, the bridge and I'd be like, what is going on? I know, it can be overwhelming. And I suppose you've had five years of it building up, building up, yes. so that's kind of helped you build those management and the arrangement of all of that out. Yes. But, like, how do you track things? Well, you know, it goes back to the team. I have a great team back at uh, the back office. Uh, they help me so much. Okay. One of them just tracks all the progress. Every single week on Wednesday yeah. at 3.30, most of the times, I would say like 95% of the times, we have a meeting at 3.30 okay. at our offices in Sherman Oaks okay. with every single uh, leader or supervisor foreman from the project. And we go in detail on as far as what is needed, the progress of the project, yeah. what can we do. Um, and one of the, I became organized as, Time went by, as a matter of fact. You so know, you weren't born like this? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> not at all. I actually was uh, on, the other, <laughs> on the other side of the spectrum. Okay. Um, you know, I had, had many businesses in life, and I had a lot of failures, and I hit you know, myself on the wall. And I guess that brings a lot of experience. Yeah. You, know, you learn from your you mistakes. Know, I learn from your mistakes rather than taking it as a failure. It's like, what can I learn from my last yeah. uh, mistake? And I guess that has made me grow as a business person. And I think that that has made me the person who I am, the businessman who I am, that, and that I bring you know much more value to the table than other companies. Okay, yeah. And you know, my day, a regular day for me starts. You know, I incorporated this about five months ago. Okay. I woke up at five forty. Five forty every day. Every day. Not Saturday and Sunday. Though. Uh, Saturday at six and. Oh and my Sunday. god! So you give yourself a twenty-minute line and on Sunday, a Saturday. And, 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 and Sundays, I usually I'm up by seven. I have two beautiful kids. You know, one, uh, three beautiful kids. One is 18, is out of the house, he's already studying in awesome. college, you know, his dorm, he wants to be independent. Yeah. And then the other one is six years old. Um, he usually sleeps in. I was going to say, is, to that, him is that what's led to you being out that early? Is now you've got your six year old? It's my two year old. Ah, right. Yeah. She wakes up, she goes to sleep really early, and she's like a early. Because they always say that, because my wife and I haven't had a kid yet, but we're thinking about it, and it kind of becomes a situation where. Do you get one of the early riser screaming kids? Do you get one that sleeps really well? Like, yes. There's a huge variety, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny because you, know, you, you have the same principle, the same discipline yeah. to these wonderful kids, and, and they're different. And they're you so know, they different. have a personality of their own. So it happens to be my two-year-old girl, Sophia. Yeah. She's the one that... She's the princess. Yeah, she likes to go out to sleep early, and she wakes up in the morning. Not crying or anything, but she goes... and that blanket dad daddy. what are we doing yes. where are we going can we get so, some breakfast with that in mind yeah. I used to be a night owl I like to like work at night and do my really? thinking at night but then she will work wake up really early so your whole it's like being on jet lag almost your right. entire schedule shifts so I made a decision I said like this can't go on any longer I'm yeah. gonna be able to handle so I switched going out um, going to sleep earlier and waking up at 5.40 and I started with like half an hour of reading and then after Before that... Before you go to bed? Um, no, in the morning. In the morning? When I wake up, yeah. It's like a routine, like a ritual that I have. I what kind up. of things are you reading? 
Like, I read uh, motivational yeah. books. Um, I'm going to be reading the book that I just brought yeah. you on the other side of surfing. Oh, maybe I need to start doing this. Yeah. I need to call you. We need to set up a thing where I'll call you at yeah. 545. Like, we're up. Let's read our book. <laughs> there is a book that I was given um, as a present uh, by Albert Preciado, and yeah. he uh, gave me the book. Um, um, principles by Ray Dalio. I've heard of it. Yeah, and it tells you it. how you know how to uh, operate an organization. Yeah, how to bring these principles into your life to make life easier and more organized. Yeah. So I decided to do that because I needed to give that edge. Yeah. You know, to to what I was doing, and I'm implementing some of those principles in the company, and 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 it's work. It's working. Do you find that like when you wake up, you open? Because I find that really tough, and I think it's maybe just because I'm not a reading kind of guy. You mm. know what I mean? I find it very easy to consume video content, audio content. Reading, like I can, I read a ton, but it's kind of, I don't know where it is. It's almost, I don't know, in my head, I'm like, I don't really want to pick up a book to do it enjoying because in right. contracts, like you yeah. probably are. But do you wake up in the morning, open the book, and in that moment, like as you're reading it, you're getting more ready for the day and like motivated to get out and kind of go? Correct. Or? Sometimes I also, uh, ha um, if it happens that, you know, that I don't have that much time yeah. uh, because I need to, you know, do uh, things for the business. Uh, emails or anything in the morning. I also listen to podcasts. Do you? Yes, while I'm working. Is that been a more recent thing, or is yes, that's yeah. more recent. I didn't do it before, but now with social media taking over, yeah, which I think this is the direction where this is going. Definitely. Um, I'm trying to incorporate that. And I suppose the only advantage that I really see with podcasting and why we've kind of started doing more longer form, because actually last year I was just doing little daily updates, and so okay. I release each week. Like, what did I do on a Monday? And then I'm like. It's the same stuff every week as little differences. It gets a bit boring. Whereas people can multitask when they're listening to audio. Right. Do you know what I mean? You can drive. You can't drive and read. Right. You can drive and listen to a, right. a podcast. Yeah, it's so it's Yeah. You can almost do twice the work if you're, if you're able to listen to something while you're right. doing stuff. I like to incorporate more exercise and then maybe do that podcast. Podcast, podcast while you're listening you're doing your exercise yeah. and doing although you can I suppose run and on a treadmill and read but yeah, yeah that's probably quite difficult not with the reading you can. so you set your alarm goes off at 5.45 or you just naturally wake up at 5.45 5.40 uh, nowadays I find myself waking up like at 5.30 it's <laughs> weird isn't it is yeah, that it like, is, it is. I think it might almost be an LA thing as well because I remember in London I was that nocturnal person like yes. I would go to bed at 2 a.m. every morning, kind of wake up to go to work at like 7, get changed really fast, just right. go. And actually like now I'm waking up naturally almost like the sun's coming up at 6, I'm kind of up and then I'm, I don't know what it is, maybe it's just a different climate, temperature, but... The vibe, yeah. the LA yeah. vibe. Yeah. yeah, well in my case, I, I used to be like you, yeah. I used to go to sleep at 1 o'clock in the morning, yeah. 2 o'clock in the morning, and then I wake up and I felt like a little bit... Dread it, try to get the you know the yeah. engine going and everything, and then with my little one waking up so early, I said like I had to do something because I'm gonna I'm getting worn out. Definitely. And so I changed that now. You know I go usually to sleep at ten, ten thirty, and then wake up. And do you kind of purposefully do that? Or you just find yourself naturally. You're like ah, I yeah. started doing it purposely, yeah. like a habit, like acquiring the habit because I'm I wasn't I was not a morning person. Yeah. But nowadays it feels really good because I can wake up early. Yeah. I can uh, you know attend some of my emails, get a lot of the things like paperwork and emails, um, estimates, get ready in the morning before I. You know, before I even, I say, I call it before I even start my day. I already started. Yeah, started you know, I accomplished so many things. Yeah. And that makes me feel positive, positive about what about the day. Yeah. I feel like I'm winning the day. Because that's the something at the moment. I always think like on Saturday and Sunday, I'm like, I'm gonna smash this week. It's gonna be a big one. You know, kind of get that real like next week's gonna be mm -hmm. awesome. I've got this lined up, this lined up. Sometimes I'll wake up on that Monday morning and I'm like. Oh, I just feel a bit tired. You know what I mean? Yes, it's 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 difficult sometimes. So I'm in my head. Well, the reason I'm like asking you so many questions about this is because in my head I've been thinking about that. Like, if I could nail that morning process down, then it's almost like why people meditate or whatever it is. You know, you're in the space where you're going to be the most efficient that you possibly can Correct. to achieve the goals that you really want to achieve. Correct, and that's one of the main reasons I I did that change. I was reading a lot about, you know, mindset, yeah. um, discipline, and I think that. I was always trying, but I wasn't trying hard enough. That's so I would it. do it two days out of the week, and then I wake up at 6.30 and get my day going, which is still early. Yes. Yeah, Most people out there are like, oh my God, 2.30, <laughs> like I'm never up at 6.30. Right, it's right. Like, but you know, I get some of my guys calling me like at 5.45, oh, you know, we're going to do this. Yeah. Or, you know, the materials that we ordered didn't arrive, so what are we going to do on some of the projects? Because most of the projects I have like a supervisor. 
but sometimes they don't have any signal, so they cannot communicate. Yeah. So as soon as they cannot communicate, they call me. And before it was really tough because I hear the phone at 5.50, 6 o'clock, and I'd be like, okay, what do you want? Can yeah. I help you? I'm in bed, just make it quick, okay. Nowadays, I'm sharing, and I get a phone call, and, you know, when I talk to them, because sometimes, you know, I'd send them emails or texts at night, you know, on things that maybe the client was able to talk to me, yeah. but I wasn't able to talk to them, and I didn't want to disrupt their weekend or, you know, give them a call at night, so <clears throat> I send them an email. And then in the morning, oh, yeah. yeah, in the morning they tell me it's like, hey, Paz, you went to sleep at eleven, and 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 you're, and I'm That's calling fine. you at five forty-five, and you're awake. Do you sleep? I was like, yeah, I sleep. You know, that's another thing that I try to meditate like ten or twenty minutes before I go to sleep, so that I can fall in that. Because um, I've been thinking about getting into meditation. I mean, <clears throat> like it seems to be more and more and more. Like every day that goes past, it right. seems like meditation's almost the next yoga or whatever it is. Right. When people are looking at like their, their well-being as, a, as an individual, it's Correct. now becoming more mental and not just physical. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And I think it has helped me achieve um, a lot of the short-term goals that I wanted to achieve. Yeah. Because I'm seeing results. Personally, with me, like 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 I was telling you before, I used to dread, you know, like getting out of bed yeah. and stuff like that, even though I did it. But now it's more like... Um, that's as if I was looking forward for mm -hmm. the day rather than reacting to the day. I see. You know, yeah, being yeah. reactive, planning your day ahead of, uh, ahead of, you know, Actually, one day or the whole week now, you know. And that brings, I think, a lot of um, motivation. Yeah. That you're actually being able to accomplish it. Definitely. You know, and then it gives you, keeps you inspired. What about kind of, um, and don't answer this if it's too personal, but uh, like alcohol drinking and stuff like that. Do you kind of think, okay, well, if I'm going to like drink and have a good time, I'm doing it on the weekends? Because that's what sometimes I find is almost with our job, a lot of it's networking. Right. And so I'll go out with a client on a Wednesday night and then I'm having a couple of glasses of wine and a dinner with them. Right. And it gets to like 12 o'clock and then I wake up the next morning, I'm like, whoa, that went a bit. In fact, I had one last week. I'm not going to mention the name, but <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, you know, after dinner cocktails and then I'm thinking, wow, this has killed my next day. Right. Do you try, do you drink all the time? Do you try and like make that controlled element of... Like mm. when you're working, you're not, and that kind of thing. Or? I, I try to do it, but I think also the industry that, that I'm in, yeah, it's it's an industry that you know we get going at, you know we get to the job sites at seven. It's so much. So early, we yeah. need it's so much early. Whereas maybe um, what would be like a regular um, day? For That's you? the thing for me because I'll wake up in the morning and I'm actually working, but mostly on social media. I'm just right. like putting that stuff out. So, but I'll get into the office by eight thirty nine. Yeah, so it's a little bit. Yeah. You have a little bit more leeway on that. Definitely. On that, on that sense. Uh, but in the construction industry, you know, it's like everything happens in the morning. Yeah. The most productive hours for the team are in the morning. Yeah. So I, I knew that I had to change it if I wanted to make it more productive. Okay. And going back to the question that you had, I tried to do it on the weekends. But if I'm going to do it, because I do have a client sometimes, like they invite me or they say like, you know, I got like some fight tickets. This happened uh, on, well, this this last time, one of my suppliers called me and said like, I got two fight tickets to road. Would you like to come? Thank God it was Friday. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so on Saturday, when that happens, I try to plan ahead. Okay. So that if, I'm, let's say it's a Thursday that I'm going to go out, but then... And I'm going to have some drinks, but then on Friday, I need to wake up early. I try to come up with everything or get one of my, my right-hand men, you know, supervisors, tell, tell them, listen, this is what's going to happen. I'm not going to be active that, in the morning. morning and I give myself, you know, that time to recuperate, to be better, to, yeah. to get positive again, to, to, yeah, to get the energy back. But it does happen, you know. But I, I, the only thing is that before I used to do it, yeah. and then I'll try to wake up in the morning, and I had like a horrible day. Whereas now I'm, I plan ahead. It's almost you're learning from mistakes. Yes. You've, yes. you've done it in the past. Yes, and if like I'm going to go to sleep at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the morning, then yeah. I give that time to get a good time to sleep as well. Okay. And that day I may not, I mean, cheat, cheat that day yeah. of not waking up early. But I know that it's for my own best interest to be productive. And that's good to hear because I think there's so many people who, at the start, when we first started chatting, it's like, oh, well, he's done that in five years. He must be like probably like doing a detriment to your own physical and mental health because <laughs> to achieve that in five years most people are like oh my god but it sounds like you're actually like okay if i'm gonna have that night i'm planning for the next day in a way yes. where you're like again in that long mindset of like this is gonna take just step 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 yes. step step not 
that sprint and then, oh my god, what have I done, kind of thing. Yeah, it did happen for the first three years. Okay, right. Okay, that's good. I, <laughs> I, I, think I, I, took, I took a detriment on everything. You learn from that mistake. I sacrificed a, a lot of time with the family, really? uh, Saturdays, Sundays. We will have some jobs that we will work from 7 to like 10 o'clock at night wow. because the client was demanding uh, that we finished by a certain day. Yeah. And, you know, it's all... Uh, I believe on that, on hustling and on working hard, yeah. more than just hard, smart as Definitely. well, especially nowadays, you know, I think that long are gone the days that you just have to work hard, 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 because you know, there are a lot of people out there that work really hard, but yeah. have they achieved their goals? You know, yeah. that's another thing. It's got to be working in a like, yeah. focus Is it point. what you're doing getting you closer to your goals? Yeah. You know, and sometimes just working hard, hard, hard doesn't get you there, so you got to plan. You gotta be strategic about it. Yeah. You gotta do collaborations with people that are gonna get you there closer. And Definitely. also take care of the people that you surround yourself with. Hundred percent. You know, you surround yourself with losers, but you end up you're gonna end up being a loser. So true. If you surround yourself with you know professional people, yeah. um, people that maybe have been on your on the same situation and can give you advice on how to get there faster. Or done something you respect and actually, right. yeah, you kind of think, wow, I want to ask them what, how they did that and what they... Right. That's always an amazing thing because I lived in London, obviously born and raised there, moved here four and a half years ago. Mm. One of the biggest shifts in how people day-to-day -day interact with each other I ever found was when you're in central London and you see a guy driving down the road in a Ferrari or something, generally people in England are like, oh, look at that guy trying to show off. Right. Like, or I'll just key that car on the sidewalk. What? Whereas you come to LA, people are like, wow, that guy's make, got a Ferrari. Like, I want to chat to that guy about how he's got there, find out how he's done it, because I respect that person for achieving something. It's almost right. like the positivity versus the negativity thing. Right. You know I mean, you're kind of taking it as like, oh, well, that person's achieved something that I think is amazing, as yeah. opposed to, I'm jealous of that guy kind of Correct. Thing, which is so, it's a massive shift. Yeah, I think... <clears throat> I, I'm the type of person yeah. that if I look somebody who's really successful, I really like to know how he got there. Yeah, you know, it'd be easier for me. It made my life easier. Yeah. The process easier. Maybe he knows. Most likely, he knows a few things that I don't know that I'm not implementing on either on my personal life or professional life. You know, and I like to find out. I usually done that when I see people that I know that and that I'm following on Instagram and they're like really successful. Yeah. And everything, you know, I if I see him, um, before I would tend to like say like, oh no, they're not gonna listen to me or yeah, you know, they're not gonna give me any time. Yeah. But I was depriving myself of that opportunity. Nowadays I say like, you know, I'm so I'm Cesar Hernandez. I know that you're doing this. I like to have a time to shop with it. And sometimes they, I'm, I get even surprised. The team is like, okay, ask me what, yeah. what is it that you wanna know? Yeah. Right there on the spot, and I'm like. Okay, this is not hard, you know? Yeah, if you're saying no for them, they're never going to have the opportunity to say yes. Right. Whereas at least if you ask, correct. it's a 50-50. Yes, knows, yeah. you know and I mean? most likely, you know, I, I got to say yes, right there on the spot. Like, where they're like, okay, so what is the question? Is that been an important part of your business? Yes. Because I presume, like, there are, there are a lot of developers in LA building luxury property. Correct. But it's not as if... There's definitely a kind of a set amount, you know what I mean? Yes. They're all doing multiple projects, so you like you make that introduction to one of those guys, which I'm sure you've done. That really can open up massive doors for you. Yes. Which is kind of amazing. I think it's awesome. Actually, we need to stop talking. We're getting really uh, psychological with this, which actually I absolutely love talking about, and I'm sure you guys are finding a lot of value. But let's maybe get to some more technical actually kind of about stone and like the trends and that kind of side of it because actually i haven't even asked you anything one question i just forgot to do yet season so okay okay right number one i was going to ask you was um okay emerging trends because actually we see in real estate i think massive evolving shifts in what people think is cool like you look at an 80s house right now people are like uh yeah however you fast forward another 20 years people are like oh that's kind of cool it's like 80s stuff you know what i mean yes so are there any emerging trends right now that you see in your main focus of work like stone and that kind of thing because stone to me always seems almost timeless people have used right. it always since right. the beginning of time to build things so i feel like it's always going to be there but is there changes now in what's popular? Because I know there was a lot of white granite was really popular a while ago. Now it seems to be one more character. Yeah, it's more character, but um, within the industry, there's a lot of modern homes going up now. Yeah. And there, the tendency is white marble. White marble. Yeah, glass. they're going uh, Carrara, yeah. Italian Carrara marble or Italian Calicata. Yeah. 
which are, you know, the, those will be like the top two. Yeah, it's like you just know that name comes out of someone's mouth. You're like, ooh, it's nice. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think I walk in sometimes because I don't have nearly the same knowledge at all of you about stone. And I just see something, I'm like, that looks good. It must be expensive. And then yes. someone says Calcutta, I'm like, oh, okay, of course. But yes. I don't really have any idea what that means. Yes, well, you know, I mean? you know for instance, Carrara, you know, you got some uh, uh, slab, you know, or per square foot. You get sometimes, you know, $40 per square foot. Yeah. And you can go all the way to 55 or and that can, 65 and that adds up quite it, a lot. it adds up you know you uh, you can you go to Calcutta which is a premium you know marble yeah that can run all the way to like $150 per square foot and is it called Calcutta because of the type of stone or the location where that is well one of them is the location okay. it's Italian marble okay and you know Italians you know they're they're well known for fashion and good quality of work workmanship Definitely. excellent workmanship and I believe that that's attracting you know the high-end consumer okay. or the high-end developers yeah they want the projects to be chic edge and you know uh, have the wow factor when they walk in okay most of the Calcutta you know um, developers get the book match slabs yeah and that just makes it that gives it the wow factor you know you're walking it's into a project and you know what i think it weirdly is it's because you've got to always have like one chance of doing it you know because it's got to be two pieces of stone next to each other yes. split and if you guys aren't out there sorry and listening to bookmark um book match sorry mm -hmm. that's basically where you take one kind of solid bit of marble or stone you're cutting it into two pieces and then you're right. putting it there so the vein continues, almost like opening a book. Yes. As if both pages had the same thing on them in the book, you're opening it. Yes. So it's like a, it's like the mirror effect. Correct. But you drop one piece of that marble and it's all ruined because the other one then doesn't match it. Correct. Has that happened? Correct. So there's a lot of high risk on, 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 on getting, you know, one of the slabs yeah. damaged. And, and I think that that, like when someone sees it, they're like, oh, wow. Like, that's an element of why it's so special as well. Yes. Yeah. And, and and sometimes also it gets, uh, when it's book match, like yeah. you said, you know, like a, when you open the book, there's more work, intense work, into getting these slabs cut and matching. You know, even if you miss like a quarter of an inch yeah. or half an inch, the vein one. It doesn't run straight, it's like slightly off. Won't continue, and uh, you can tell that you know they didn't do a good job. Really? We have a project right now where we're doing um, uh, a facade of a house, and, and we're actually cladding the whole house with um, Sahara Noir. It's a black marble. And it's insane. And it's, uh, yes, you, we got to match the, the, the first level with the second level veins. Oh it's just going to be amazing. So literally someone's going to drive down that. I mean, talk about curb appeal. Yes. Someone's going to drive down the street and yes. see basically like a chunk of black stone because yes. the marble is it's running through yeah. they made it in such a way the design that it's um there is some elements of uh, italian porcelain okay too so that it doesn't clad it but uh the whole thing with you know black it, and it gives it a little edge modern look because it has the white porcelain that to me seems a bit like timeless almost. yes it's yeah. going to be amazing because not only it's two slabs but we had like 24 slabs and they all have to book match so it was... Hold on, so if you drop one of those... That's it. What happens to the other 23? Then so, you just say, sorry, they're going to go to someone else point. or sell them on to like a smaller project maybe? Mm. Or well, at that point, we, there's like no points of mistakes. You know, it's like you're going to be like really organized. I like that. You're just saying, we're just not going to make a mistake. Yes. It's not what happens if there's you have no a room. mistake, we're just not going to make a one. So there's no fine. room. There's no room for mistakes. We, we have to handle that with, with care, with... Uh, Actually, with appreciation of you know of this stone, you know, because you know sometimes this stone comes from Turkey, yeah, uh, from Egypt, time. from India, you know. There's a whole process behind it, you know. They get shipped in a container. It takes two months to get to the port in in, in L.A. So that means okay, if you mess it up and the consumer's like, I want it redone completely, you'd have to wait two months to get the stone delivered back again so you're right. basically just sitting there thinking we doing? had a couple of events we don't haven't run into that many situations where yeah. we had a couple of events where we like air ship the slab yeah and the 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 you know the shipping was more expensive than the slab what yes because we needed to finish the project in time oh so you're and, like rushing yeah. it to try and so it. we rushed it you know like I believe it was like three day air or something like that. What so about um, insurance? Do you need to take that out on the stone before you ship it? Or is the person yes. delivering it to you doing that? Well, when usually for developers, um, developers, they have so uh, such a network 
that they're buying their own stone, so we're just providing that service okay. of installation. Yeah. For the homeowner, or when a designer is involved, an architect, a designer is involved, and there's not a developer, there's more like a, they're building a house for the end consumer, for the homeowner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we come into play where we can, you know, buy and help the customer choose their, their stone, you know, the stone they like. So then you have to arrange that Correct. Yeah. And then we arrange that for them. Because that well. must be, yeah, I mean, that does sound crazy. Because I, I can imagine, like, international shipping, I always hear about damaged packages. Yes, yes. So you think, okay, it's a big, very fragile piece of stone. Correct. That could crack quite easily if it's dropped or moved in the wrong yes. way. So yes, yes, it is. is. Kind of... So usually when the developer, like, in one of the projects that we did, a developer had um, 28 containers of marble. <laughs> one of the containers was all broken. So someone had dropped it and just kind of... Yes. So it was um, uh, it was 48, actually 56 slabs. They got broken. Fortunately, it was not a book match job. Okay, yeah, because I mean... Because it would have destroyed the whole job. Do, do you do that in terms of things, if from a shipping stone, the book match pieces would be together, almost? Because I suppose if you had one book match piece in this container and then one in that container... That one gets destroyed. Right. You basically just got an unbook matched. Yeah, it has to come together. And okay. then it's usually the way it is. You know, we have 10 slabs or 14 slabs. It comes one on one bundle. And they wrap it, like, strongly with wood, with uh, bubble paper, tape. It's, like, really well taken care of. But when you're shipping stuff and it's on the, you know, out, out on, the, on the open yeah. seas with the ships moving and rocking, you know, the material, you know, gets um, uh, not... Uh, how could I explain it? It gets, it's delicate, and sometimes where the veins are, yeah, it gets um, a small crack or a small fracture. So slightly separating the knot. Yes, you cannot actually see it. Wow. Okay. From a customer uh, perspective. perspective, since we've been in the stone business for quite some time, you we can tell that. It's to the point where it needs to be taken care of. At that point, we have to take it to the shop where, and reinforce those no, slabs. Kind of and yeah, on the back, we make grooves and we put metals and we put epoxy so that the slab doesn't come apart. Wow. Which is another part that, you know, when you see the project, you just see the beautiful yeah, work. Yeah, the outside. The beautiful, yes. But <clears throat> at the shop, we go through a lot of pains, yeah. growing pains, you know, with the, with, the, with the jobs, with the projects, where like we have to put like, Grooves, metal, you know, metal bars. And that needs boxes. to be something that we need to get Johnny to film. Yeah, doing all the grooves and the stuff. We're gonna be doing. We're gonna be doing a process during our one of our Because I imagine projects. that must be kind of awesome to just see that and then see it installed yes. as like the finished product. Like, My guys wow. don't like it that much, but I really yeah. yes, because you know it's just like an extra work, and then if it breaks, um, oh, they're gonna yeah. get blamed for it. So yeah, I try to have like um, an understanding yeah. when the slabs come that way. It doesn't happen that often, but from time to time you get a, a, a shipment that, you know, the, it's a delicate marble, it's yeah. fragile, and you get like fractures in it, not totally in two pieces, but you know, you can see the fractures and then you have to... Is that by sound? You can always hear it by touching it because you know that it's not fully together or you just have to like be able to see? You just got to be able to see okay. and you cannot see it because it's usually on the vein part, Yeah. so it, so it, it doesn't come apart, you know, but it'd be like a... Like a hairline within the vein, not yeah. noticeable to the eye. That's crazy. Yeah, it is It is crazy. So with that, okay, so there's a lot of white marble going up. There's a lot of glass that we're seeing. Kind of, I've seen a lot of just glass boxes with white marble floors. Yeah, polished, yeah polished marble. Polished marble. Yeah. Do you think that that's going to continue to be a trend and just kind of always be there? I think um, nowadays we're looking at an increase on the usage of that marble, but yeah. it has always been... One of the top sellers. Yeah, okay. You know, Calcutta is Italian Calcutta, gold Calcutta. Yeah. You know, the gold Calcutta is a, it's a Polish white marble with gold veins. Yeah. You know, it's like really, it has a lot of high demand. Do you think that there's going to be, because obviously it's, do you think that's just timeless then? If, you, if you're going to, if someone out there is listening, they're saying, I'm going to do a house. You know, I'm not sure which stone to put in it, but I may sell it in five years. Would you just say, kind of going with white marble? Correct. It's always going to be, people are going to like it to some extent. Right, especially in modern homes. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen a, um, a high uh, construction on modern homes. Yeah. 
and I believe that um, that trend is not going to stop. No. You know? It may get a bit more popular, but less popular is always going to be that. Correct. It, I mean, it's going to go, I believe, just like any other uh, architectural uh, um, I would, uh, style, you know, yeah. French contemporary, it's time, people were building French contemporary homes, yeah. Tuscan villas, the yeah. Spanish. Now we've seen the trend on, on, on modern homes, but I believe they're here to stay. Maybe not on such a high demand, but they're always going to be around. Yeah. So there's always going to be that demand for white marble. Minimal modern style. Yes. Be there Minimalist. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's really interesting. So what about kind of, have you seen then more, you know, because I kind of have seen when we've been walking through properties that like the standard just white yes. is less common now almost. It seems like someone wants something that makes it stand out in some way, whether that's grey veins going through right. it or... What was the, some of the fireplaces, I'm seeing like a lot more of that now. It's almost you see, you want the veins to be able to see so you can right. tell the book match. Right. Is that like, is that been the same, is that just been the last couple of years that that's been or is that similar where actually... It has happened happen? before too, but yeah, I yeah. think that the trend now is just like, it's at, at the prime time. Yeah, You okay. know, it's, it's just getting a lot of attention and... People are liking it, and our our high end clients can pay for that product yeah. as well because, you know, sometimes uh, we do other homes that are not on the high end spectrum. Let's say less than twenty million, yeah, less than ten million, and the customer wants those type of um, you know the kind of, kind of finishes, stones, polish, home. But sometimes when you tell them the slabs, you know, your kitchen and, and your countertops through the house is going to be, you know, 20 slabs and each yeah. slab is like five grand. Now you're looking at a hundred thousand dollars just Definitely. on the material alone. So sometimes they try to like move away from that yeah. when the budget is not there. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, yeah. So that just sounds insane when you're doing it at that scale. Okay, so what about obviously the locations of where you're buying <clears throat> the stone from or the stone is coming from for the projects? presume that obviously we're kind of talking about Italy and like there's a huge amount of... Right. Have you seen that we have done in like other industries like technology and those kinds of places emerging of like China and... Yes. So there's now a lot of stone coming from those, from that part Correct. of the world? Okay. Correct. It is also also uh, coming from China. I would say that um, they have a great product as well. Really? But it won't compare to the Italian uh, marbles. Is that the quality product or just the name mm, attached to it? No, the, the quality. Quality. Okay. The quality. Usually, you know, the, the, the marbles, uh, the Italian marbles that we work with, they're easier to work, they're more dense, they're more solid, so it makes it easier to, to, uh, to work with. Do you think that that is just, that's just the stone in that part of the world, for whatever reason, it's just a denser stone, or it's how think, they create it? I would think it has to do also with the workmanship. Yeah, okay. Sometimes the slabs, you can tell that they're, you know, they're like an eight uh, thinner. And you know, and then easier. they're a little bit, they're more fragile or yeah. they tend to break a little bit easier, just like you said. And I think that, um, you know, the developers that are on, and on the other end of the spectrum where like it's not high end, yeah. you know, they're, they're getting the type of material in their kitchens or in their countertops or their water features yeah. or any area of the house that they want to uh, work with. But then they don't have the budget to go with and purchase the Italian, the Italian uh, products. See. And what so about the one, because I'm seeing some of that before, and actually I didn't see it as much, but Ennis, who's joined us on LA Mansion Tours quite a bit, yes. has walked into a couple of the projects, and he's kind of been like, because we've talked about how developers really, they just want to make the money. Correct. So they'll buy a product that almost looks like the Carrera marble. Correct. But is not Carrera marble. It's half the price, but kind of has the same kind of look. I presume they just don't age as well. They're not going to be, it's not just you're paying for the name. No, well, within the marble um, uh, industry, you yeah. have different grades. So that's where it's more going to be, is so, like the grade as opposed to... Correct. Okay. So you, you want to get a consistent, you know, consistent veins, uh, beautiful product, high quality, yeah. um, great workmanship, you're going to pay. You're going to pay more. And, you know, it's great A, B, and C, C being you know, uh, cheaper product. Yeah. Maybe the veins are not as defined on the slabs okay. and you know you're doing your toes you can probably tell some of the houses that you did some of the houses or projects that you walk in you know see the same product but because uh, i think that's the thing isn't it we think like okay the person that's going to buy the house from the developer they walk in and they're seeing the whole product finished and done and they're like oh wow that's nice that's nice that's nice they're correct. not thinking oh well is that the top of the line this necessarily whereas when you're building your own thing correct making the decision on every single piece yourself so correct. i presume a lot of those guys are like 
I'm only going for the best when it's a ten million dollar plus house. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. I've seen that um, a lot of developers have their own um, uh, interior designer. Yeah. And sometimes the interior designer is the one that calls the shot as far as yeah. the materials are concerned. Concern. And but it's but you're right. You know, sometimes the developer is looking at the at the numbers, at yeah. the budget, installing a product that maybe is not as high in quality because they gotta meet, you know, yeah. the budget. Definitely. And like you said, you know, the customer that is buying it, you know, they, they don't have a, an idea of if it's the $5,000 slab or yeah. if it's the $1,500 slab. What about this then? Okay, so obviously you're paying for the grade or whatever it is. Yes, it's going to look nicer. It's going to be thicker, maybe all of that kind of thing. Is there any real differences? Say the end user goes for the $5,000 slab. The developer goes for one at two and a half thousand. Fast forward 40 years. Do they look any? Do you know what I mean? Like, does one hold its look better, or is it just stone? So effectively, I think, I think that if it's in the exterior, yeah, the material that is higher quality would last longer. Really, okay. but eventually it will need a lot of maintenance. Yeah. That's where the other trend that we're looking into the industry. It's the uses of porcelain. Copying the look of it. Copying the look of but the... But it's man-made. Yes, of the natural stone, but it's man-made. And it comes with veins, and they're doing porcelain, you know, Italian porcelain yeah. also. Uh, there's some um, um, uh, U.S., you know, USA uh, porcelain as well, coming out as well. Really strong. I'm um, seeing that trend more in the commercial side. Really? Where like you had to put a facade on a sky rise building maybe in downtown and then instead of having marble like you know you go sure. nowadays in the the buildings that got built back in the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, they have marble, but you can tell that had to take you know, with time and the elements of the weather, you know, it takes a toll. Yeah. You know, and you cannot have a crew, you know. Uh, constantly, yeah, constantly cleaning it, constantly maintaining the stone. So a lot of those developers are going more into made materials. Uh, like porcelain. But porcelain to me, because I'm just thinking of like a coffee cup almost. Right. That seems to me like it's easy to break. Is that not the case though, presumably, because it's like a construction porcelain? Correct. Well, it's not the case because the porcelain comes in different grades, you know, different thicknesses. Okay. And nowadays with technology, they have improved, you know, uh, density, of, density it. of it. There's a, a great material out there uh, done by Costantino. Um, the company Costantino, it's Decton. Dectin. Dectin is made of, uh, of three ingredients, you know, they heat it up like at really high temperatures and you have glass, porcelain and quartz. Wow. And a lot of um, homeowners are using it on their kitchens. Because really? basically, you know, like if you're cooking and you have like a really hot pan, you can actually put it on top of the Dectin and it won't burn. Yeah. Um, or like, yeah, when you're spilling things, it's not going to soak into the yeah, actual... Correct. Like if you, even if you're just like having a couple of, you know... Uh, um, glasses of wine, yeah. and you leave the wine, and you sometimes you know you know the wine pours outside and oh it's like a God, ring. Yeah. If you put it on a, or let's say on a calacata stone, which yeah. is like really expensive, and you leave it overnight, you're gonna get a ring because yeah. the acidity is gonna burn into the surface of the marble. We've actually had that, and same with concrete as well, isn't it? Yes, it's so yes, because it sucks. Yeah. Well, yeah, we had a client who had we leased out their property, and when they got it back, they had a concrete dining table. And then the people that were using it, obviously right. they're like not thinking, oh, I can't put a wine glass on this. So when they got it back, it's just rings everywhere on it. Correct. So the owner's like, what the hell is this? Damage deposit, I want it. Because, you know, Correct. it's an expensive table. But Correct. yeah, I can imagine with stone, it's kind of exactly the same. Correct. And, and you know, Dicton, it's, it's not that's, um, it's not cheaper, yeah. but it's just a high, higher quality product that uh, they have developed. Price. And it brings, yeah, and it brings, I think, for the client that doesn't want to deal with um, the hassle of you know restoring, resurfacing, yeah. maintaining it, because you know if you're using the real marble, you're gonna have to do that. You're gonna have to maintain it. You're gonna have to. So uh, there's an extra cost it. that you got factoring. So there's an extra an extra cost. So I usually talk to clients and say like, you know, how many years are you gonna live in this house? Are you gonna live ten years? Then you might as well put something that you're gonna be happy about it and it's gonna be it, looking the same in ten years. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, do you have kids? That's another thing. You know, yeah. if you have kids, then you might want to go for the first few years with a quartz or decton or any other dense material. Once they move out, change it out, do you? <laughs> correct, correct. Or once the kids, you know, they're like, grow up. yeah, grow up, then you can move to more expensive uh, um, products. Yeah. Okay, what do you think then? Because this is pinging my head a little bit on, you know, the floors, uh, Mame Corian, is it? The 
not Corium. Is it? No, it was really popular. I think in the eighties. It's almost that really hard. It's like man-made floor. It's got the little kind of sparkly things that they. Terrasa. Yes, I think so because I've seen recently. It's coming back. It a lot is. Of yeah. Are doing, a lot of people are doing it too. And personally, and like, don't put this out there if any of you have one of those floors. I don't like it. Me neither. But, but <laughs> I share your same opinion, but because uh, I don't, I don't think that I like it because in my mind, you know, terrace is being used like uh, uh, at the airports and, and, and a lot of other commercial sites. It's very hard wearing, isn't it? Even though they're using, I mean, they're using a couple of pro uh, residential products, and I look at it and I like love the way it looks, but it's just something I can like digest because in my yeah. mind it's just like more commercial then well it weirdly it takes me back when i first started in real estate one of the first lessons that was most important i think that i learned mm. is when you're going on showings you relate to the client you know observations about the property but not in your own taste i right. don't presume anything right assumption is like the mother of all f-ups as a lot of people say right so like there's been there, my first like early days of showings i'd walk in and be like Oh yeah, don't don't worry about that window. It's fine. And they'll be like, "What do you mean? I love that window." And I'm like, "Oh crap!" You know what I mean? Like you're right. just putting negative things on that. Correct. And so I've had ones where I've shown them here, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, you could change the floors." And they're like, "I love this floor." And I'm like, "Okay, just don't say that." Just don't say it. Because <laughs> yes. like, what is my opinion? And actually, weirdly, that translates into social as right. well. Like the one pictures that I pit up, and I'm like, "This is not as good as the normal stuff." Seems to do way better than everything else. Has that happened? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, so we had one on TikTok. It hit two and a half million views last week. Wow. And it was the worst one I thought I'd put up. Wow. I'm like, it's a lot oh, of views. This is crazy. Yeah. 2.7? 2. 2. 2.5 million. It's got 190,000 likes on it. Wow. That is like, it's a weird like space because obviously at the moment, apparently every kid's on TikTok. Right. But and equally, there's a huge creative element to it. Wow. Um, and Did so you ever expect like, that that was going to happen with that? No. It was like the opposite. I was like, oh, this one's fine. I was like rushing and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll just put one out because it's kind of better to have that consistency than waiting another two days right. so I don't have time to do this. And then suddenly it's like, boom, just blows up. But I think that is the case. And I suppose in your job, that's really important because you can't walk in and advise the client about this ugly stone when they turn around and say, oh, that's gorgeous. I want to have that in my Correct. Head. No, you're, you're right. I usually go there as a consultant. Yeah. And, and see what their ideas are and what is it that they want to do. Okay. I give them a suggestion, like, on, you know, like with the marble. With, yeah. uh, they say, like, oh, you know what? We're buying this house. We're going to sell it in a couple of years. And then I give them the, the cons and pros and, and have them decide yeah. what they want to do. Okay. You know, because at the end, they're the ones that are going to live there. They're going to be looking at the stone. I would hate to come and suggest something that I personally like. Yeah. And then, and they then they'll be like, okay, I don't think that we, he made that, like, the, the, the best decision for I'm us. I'm thinking every time they wake up in the morning, they grab a coffee, walk to the <laughs> kitchen, they're like, oh God, Caesar, what did you do to my kitchen? Correct, like, yes. So I try to find a middle ground with them um, where like I can find their needs yeah. and suggest them what best for that that they want. So is that the case? Okay, so obviously with developers, we've, we've kind of talked about how different that is, but with an end consumer, do you kind of just go into the first meeting and ask them a load of questions or how do you get the information from them to kind of give that feedback? Um, usually they have a designer. Okay. Uh, even though they're kind of the shots at the end, but they have a designer to help them out, you yeah. know, to choose the materials, you know, the different materials, they're going to have wood, they're going to have stone, they're going to have curtains. Okay. So they have an interior designer that is going to make the whole thing flow and, yeah, yeah, and for yeah. the house to look like, um, you know, to have a good vibe and a good style. Um, I usually deal with the designer and the designer usually tells me and asks me, you know, we, we meet with them, we have a meeting with the client. Yeah. I usually just, I'm just like taking notes, take, you know, writing questions that I want to get yeah, I want to have to the designer or for the, or for the consumer, for the owner. And at that point, you know, we have a second meeting with the designer at their office or one of the projects, you know, that, that they have. We meet, we go about all these questions, you know, send them an email, you yeah. know, these are the questions that I have, these are the concern. I heard the customer said, yeah, they're, they're only going to live um, two years, they want to live because they're from overseas, they're going to stay here, they're planning on renting the house. Yeah. And I think it's a good idea to, you know, to spend... This if they're on a budget, you know, $50,000 on Calcutta slabs or Carrera slabs or any type of marble yeah. that is delicate and that when they leave, they're going to have to change again yeah. if, they're gonna, if they're planning on renting the house. Okay. So that's where I bring my two cents, you know, and my value to it. And the designer usually, you know, they, they usually are aware, but maybe at that point, they're not like 
thinking about that. Yeah. So when I bring that to them, they usually you know appreciate that. Oh, you know, thanks, thanks for bringing that. To You're me. bringing the practical. Side right. As right. To the, oh, let's create this amazing thing. Right. So then they back, they go back to the customers. Like, you know, we ask the customers. They say that. They're not, you know, yeah. they don't really care about this the This is going to cost you 400000 Are you sure you want to do this? What? 400000 Okay, let's rework. Correct. Okay. And, and that's where, like, I think the value that we provide as a company comes yeah. in. Even with the developers, um, I usually have meetings with them at the job sites. Yeah. You know, at the initial stage of development when, you know, months before we even get started. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes I go there with the project manager who's going to be in charge of the project. And I ask them questions too because they're the ones handling the project day to day. day, to day. Yeah. So I tell them, listen, you know, they're trying to put this material in this bathroom. Uh, what do you foresee? He, and then he starts saying, you know what? Um, I see this pipeline. Then I we bring the plumber yeah. in it. The plumber is like, oh no, there's no way. You know, there's um, an, uh, a beam that I'm not gonna be able to get the plumbing in here. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get it through here. So we're not gonna have a flat wall. So now they, they have to bring the wall out. And build it to put the slab or not, but these are challenges that we bring um, to the developer ahead of time, and they appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, because they don't want to be sat there when the marble arrives, thinking, "What are we going to do?" Right. Or, or in this case, like you know, the, we go there, we um, you know prepare the walls, yeah. fold them, get them ready, and then we do the wall. You know, not like evenly, like so, flat. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. gonna come to us and like, who told you to do that? We can, we can certainly say like, well, that's the well, way the said, wall was. Yeah, we suggested so we just, this. But, right. Yeah. So we let, like to bring the value before and that type of information so they can make a wise decision. Okay. And have the opportunity to tell their framers or their plumbing guys, you know what, is there any solution that you can give us? Yeah, or can we further the wall out so that we can get the same effect? Maybe they're reducing the bathroom or whatever area they're working on. By three inches, five inches, but ten worth inches it to get that finished. But at least they have the decision, yeah, you know, exactly. and the time to do it. Okay, I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, literally, this time has just been running away. We're already over an hour right now, Caesar. Which I wow. feel like we need to have you back like for another five different episodes to just because we could continue chatting. I think all day nonstop, <laughs> which is kind of awesome. But actually, I think listeners out there, obviously, we're talking about multitasking, and maybe it's good to keep this to an hour. So I want to just round it off with one last question. That's sure. Right. So obviously you do a huge amount of projects. You do commercial, you do developer, you do uh, end user. Has there ever been a project that you've worked on which has been your favorite? Yes. Yes. Yes, I, I believe. I was literally expecting you to turn around and be like, oh, actually, you know, that one was good, but this one, there's actually a favorite one. Yes, uh, yes, and it's actually uh, uh, the latest project. Really? They got, they got down in the Bel Air area. I believe you visited that. I saw that you were at the Yeah. The one on uh, Bentley Circle in Bel Air. Literally, I remember walking into that property with Ennis. Yes. And literally just being like, this is awesome. Because you're like we discussed this actually before when we've had coffee, but it, that guy, he's almost the perfect middle ground. Developer... Yes. However, it was his first major project. Correct. So you've kind of got the best of the developer world yes. and the best of the end user. Correct. Because, Correct. I don't know, like, if you, any of you guys are out there, I can't remember the number, but look up the details on Bentley Circle and Bel Air. So it was on the list market at 48 million. I'm not sure exactly what it sold for. I probably shouldn't disguise that. <laughs> but, oh my God. Yes, it was, it, was, it was a piece of art in itself. And so was that, like, your favorite because of the end product and how it was? Or was it working with the people you were working with and the vibe around it? Or it was both. Okay. It was both. Um, the developer, even though it was his first project, yeah. I believe he used like uh, some of the best quality materials out there, and he was actually constantly involved in the project. Yeah. So it made it made everybody to bring you know to raise the standard, and it was just like the end. It was just like. Fantastic. It, was it just is like great. Product. And it's weird because I think I remember walking into that property and you, it's not like I could say with my eyes, oh, I looked at that piece of stone or that finish or that wooden kind of beam and that's definitely the better version. It was almost, I just walked in and I was like, you could just tell. Yes. You know, like it's the feeling of it as opposed to me being like, oh, well, that's the most expensive one. This guy must be good. Everything just went together. Correct. There was no issue where you were like, oh, hold on. Is Correct. that pool like quite straight or, you know, whatever it is. I like, love the pool, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. So you guys did the pool on that as well? No, no. We didn't do the pool. Okay. We did all the deck on the exterior. The yeah. pool, 
you know, he had his own uh, pool contractor that he knew for years already, so he came. Yeah, did that. Darn. Because <laughs> that one would have been a good yeah. one for the website. I know, it would have been one know. of those. But it was great. They did a great job. You know, we, they did a great job. Yeah. You know, I believe, uh, you know, it's, it's a pool that, like they mentioned, the size of the Pacific Ocean is huge. Uh -huh. And like the, the purview of it, because it really just matches the edge of the view. Yes. So I yes. can imagine. Okay, what about this? Because this is, I know they said this is the last question, but we just continue <laughs> going and going. Uh, does the developer ever say to people, I presume no, because there's so many people working on that project, that you could have a swim in that pool at the end of the project? At the end of the project? No, I don't recall it. I would have been the first one to jump I mean, in Because I was going to say, <laughs> like, the amount of guys that have been working on this pool, creating it, whatever, like if I was building it, I'd kind of be like, all right, guys, don't tell anyone. Have a <laughs> I believe you just saw, but they haven't taken possession of the house, or they we might still... Be able to do that, right? Oh my God. Imagine that, Johnny. If we managed to get like us filming diving into the pool, me in a suit as well, into my, my oh my goodness! Um, but that is awesome. So that is really cool to hear. And actually, like I just think I'd actually like all of you guys listening your feedback on that because it was the one actually where we have gone through, documented, filmed it. Yeah. The amount of comments that we got. I think it got amount same amount of likes or whatever it was, but it obviously hit a vibe with people because people were like. Oh my God, that's amazing. This is amazing. What is this? Da, 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 da. Yes, Thank I believe time. also it was like a record that uh, when they had like their broker open house. Yeah. It was like the Mosul brokers that showed up yeah. on, on, on that uh, particular project. And it's not like one of these ones which goes on the market above 20 million and sits there for two years, which you no. kind of factor it in because you right. think there's not a huge pool of buyers that can buy a property for 20 million. Therefore, you're not thinking, right, we're going to sell it in two weeks. Like that one was off in less than a month. Yes. Yes, which yeah, is just it, awesome. It was just amazing. I really feel proud of that project. Yeah. I mean, we I feel proud of all the projects, but that yeah. one specifically because it's my favorite. Just so good. Yeah. All right, Susan, well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so if everyone out there wants to ask you any more questions, I know that your phone is going off nonstop constantly, so it may be quite difficult to get hold of you. Yes. Where should they follow you? Write a comment, DM. Are you open to that kind of thing? Definitely. Yeah. Yes, 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 they can follow us on Instagram. Instagram? At, uh, CAD underscore stone. Okay, so CAD underscore stone, and then literally that's on Instagram, so they can go follow right. you there. They can actually uh, send an email. And your website's CADstoneworks? CADstoneworks.com. Dot com. Okay. Yeah. And guys, I'd recommend just going and having a look, because recently I've been seeing some of the posts you've been putting up of like being in one of these insane projects. Oh, yes. Oh, and I mean, like, it really... We like, have some great projects yeah. in Bel Air right now, and the... I believe in the next two, three months, we're going to be running like 10 or 12 projects. 10 or 12 projects. Yeah. Which I don't think sounds mental, but then when you factor in the fact that the scale, the square footage of yes. all these projects, it does become pretty crazy. It does. I'm you know what's going to be awesome, Susan? I'm just thinking is in, a, in 50 years, if you're driving through Bel Air, being able to be like, oh, did that one. Did that one. Did this That one. would be amazing. It's going to be pretty sick. It's just like, it would uh, be like a test of time. I think what we need to do is get like a Google map of like Bel Air, Beverly Hills or whatever. Pin it up. Yeah, red dots on just <laughs> That would be amazing. I never thought about that. That's going to be sick. Do it on the wall. But anyway, yeah. thank you so much, Caesar. Thank you. Um, yeah, if any of you guys out there and you enjoy watching LA Mansion Tour, seeing it, and actually getting a little bit more of the actual technical side of it, because I think there's a huge amount of value in that. Like, I very much give the, wow, look how amazing this is, but right. actually what it takes to get this stuff done and what is popular and current. Go and follow Cadstone on um, Instagram, and I need to get you on TikTok soon. And we Definitely. may actually, guys, as well, we've discussed this, but I don't want to put Caesar on record of this, but we may be able to go and visit some of his projects potentially before they're done. So yes. I think that could be really cool, doing the before and after on it. That would be really things. amazing because yeah. then we get the guys on action. Oh, yeah. Especially when they're moving like a 800, 700 pound slab. Yeah. To be and able to everyone to the second level. Yes. I usually don't like to be there during that time because I get a little stressed out. Yeah. And like I said, that I stress them a lot, but... You know, I gotta do what I gotta I do. Mean, that's it. Yeah, gotta be there. And, uh, <laughs> Thank really, you so much. Absolutely, mate. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping that we'll have some more content soon. Amazing. It's great to see. You. Thank you. Bye. -bye.